Our scripture this morning is found in Romans chapter 8. We will be in verse, begin in verse 5 and go through verse 8 this morning. And if you want to book, put a thumb in, at, at some point we'll go to Galatians chapter 5 uh, two different times. So if you want to be over there and ready for that, you can do that as well. But our text is from Romans 8, 5 through 8. Let us hear now from the word of God. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us take a moment and go to him in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Paul, when he begins writing this chapter, at the, at the very beginning of the chapter, he tells us the first and the greatest benefit to being recipients of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of Christ and his work, what he accomplished on the cross through the shedding of his blood, his death, and his resurrection, we have been made righteous. We are justified before God. Our legal standing has changed. Because of that work, Jesus is our Savior. Now, Paul will spend the rest of the letter going into detail about the second benefit of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have received. And that is that we have received his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which helps us to overcome sin in our living and so he goes into detail, the rest of the letter, talking about this Holy Spirit, this gift we've been given because of what Christ has accomplished so that we can overcome sin in this life, so that we can go towards sanctification, this grace in process to become holy as our Father in heaven is holy. It's the call that we are called to as Christians. Paul's simple point is this, we can't rely on our own efforts for our salvation, nor can we rely on our own efforts to overcome sin in our life. We must rely on Jesus and his spirit in all 
things. Period. That's, that's his point. That's where he's going to go. And so as Paul talks in this scripture today, in these verses, Paul points out that in all the world, there's only two types of people. In the entire world, two types of people. Those who are in the flesh and those who live according to the Spirit. That's it. Two types. Those are the only types of people in the whole world according to this scripture, according to the word of God. Not three types, not four types. I know some of us, we kind of hope that there was, well, pastor, isn't there maybe like a third way, a middle way, right? Like, I want to live in the spirit, but I really like living in the flesh too, right? Like, like, I want Jesus as my savior. I want him as that insurance so I can get to heaven, but I'm going to do my own thing while I live here. There is no middle way. Paul makes it perfectly clear. There are two types. You are either living according to the flesh or you are living according to the spirit. That's it. There's no other option. We can't kind of like Jesus. We can't kind of give our life over to Christ. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And so Paul points that out and he says, well, there's the people that live according to the flesh. They set their mind on the things of the flesh. And so what Paul does here is he equates living and our thinking, setting our mind on something as being closely connected. That what we set our mind on is actually revealed in our living out. It is our character portrayed to the world. So our living and our thinking are connected. Now this setting our mind in the Greek and in the English, it's the same thing. What is it that we're focusing on? What is it that not only our mind, but our hearts are desiring and, and putting attention and effort and energy into? What is it we have set our mind on? And Paul says, those that walk in the flesh, well, they have set their mind on the things of the flesh. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for that great clarification there. I was really worried about it. And then he just moves on. He doesn't tell us the things of the flesh. Like, like, Paul, can we get a bit more here? And so what we have to do is we go to the word of God and we see in Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, we find he, in verse 19, Paul writes what the works of the flesh are for us. He lays it out for us in this way. In verse 19, he says, The work of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's the, script, that's the words in Scripture, and things like these. So Paul even there claims that this isn't an exhaustive list, that there are things like these. Anything that you think fits into those categories, those are the things of the flesh. And Paul says, when you set your mind on those things, you're then living in the flesh. And guess what? If you're living in the flesh, you're not living according to the Spirit. You're not living as if your life has been given over to Christ. So Paul goes on and says that there's consequences. There's very real consequences to doing this. That those that live according to the flesh, in verse 6 he says, is death. It's death. It's, it's not sick. It's not 
confused. It's not, I need more information to make a better decision. But dead, spiritually dead, living according to the flesh by setting our minds on the things of the flesh leads to death. For it's written in Ephesians that we are dead in our trespasses. Other pastors have used the term, I think Pastor Chris has used it before, that we are spiritual zombies walking around. That we are just dead. And, and, and so, if you're so preoccupied with the things of the flesh, you're spiritually dead. That's what Paul wants to communicate here. But, but pastor, right? Those are the good conversations. But pastor, what about, I want the convenience of Jesus as the Savior. And I get, I, I, I want to do some good things, but do I have to give up everything? Yeah, Jesus didn't come for part of you. He came for your whole life. Not some of it. Not the part that people can see on Sunday mornings. All of it. The entirety of your life. Now, I love y'all. I truly love y'all. In the four and a half years I've been here, my family and I, we, y'all are in our hearts daily. We have love for you guys. But as your pastor, this may be hard to hear. Some of you are so preoccupied with this upcoming election, you've stopped focusing on Jesus. And it pains me to see it. I see it. I hear it. I get the email forwards, which I'm sure you're probably going to stop forwarding me now. I get it in the conversations. I see it in the social media posts, which now I'm going to get unfriended. It's fine. But it's there. See, we often think that idolatry, when it's spoken of in the Bible, we have this grand idea that idolatry is that we have to go get some precious metal or forged thing and, and make a statue or a golden calf and take down the cross and put it up there. And that we began worshiping that. But, but the idolatry that is talked about in Scripture is, is wider and deeper than that. It, it's much bigger. It's, it's as simple as replacing Jesus with anything. It's, it's as simple as living your life to forsake time with Jesus, to forsake looking at Jesus and doing everything you can for your spouse and your kids and putting them as your little G-God above Jesus. It's that simple. And so what, what happens is we don't necessarily know that we've fallen into idolatry because we don't always understand it that way. We don't feel like we're worshiping something else. But if we're putting more energy and attention into something else than we are into our relationship with Jesus, you have an idol. It's not easy to hear. And so what I've seen is I, the, the hostility in which Christians speak of a candidate they don't want to vote for, the carelessness in which Christians are being derogatory to others that are going to vote 
in a different manner? It's flat out sickening. It's, it's not only sickening, but I think you should know this. It, it, it reveals your heart, right? So that's what Paul says. Those that live according to the flesh have set their minds on things of the flesh, right? And so, and we understand setting their minds is not only their heart, but also their minds. It's, it's their everything and their focus. And so the way we live is a reflection really of the desires and things pent up in our heart. And the things we say, right, scripture also tells us, reveals our heart as well. And so when I say it's sickening because it reveals our heart, Paul says that living according to the flesh is death. It's sickening because it smells like death. It doesn't smell or look like life and light. You know, we were called by Christ away from the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We were called away from this world to God so that we could be ambassadors for Jesus Christ to spread his gospel of love and grace and mercy because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. In our deepest, darkest moment, God said to us, I love you. And he pulled us out of it. And he continues to hold on to us and hasn't let go of us since. We are to be heralds of this message, heralds of the gospel. To tell of not only that we have no condemnation now in this world and in after, but that we have been born again by the Spirit. We aren't merely changing on the inside, but God is doing an incredible, immeasurable work on the very inside of us. And yes, guess what? We're going to stumble. We're going to trip. We're going to fall. There's going to be moments where people might even be able to call us hypocrites. But we don't stay there because God continues to work on us and it's grace in process that the Spirit continues to walk in our lives and continues to change our hearts and reminds us daily to fix our eyes on Jesus. But every four years we lose it. We lose it. We, we, we do. We can laugh a little bit about it. It's hard, but we do. We're forgetful people. The Israelites were forgetful people, right? We can go through the Old Testament and say, well, if we got rid of the kings and had judges, we'd be better off, right? We see how this works. Well, if we get rid of this king, we get a new king. We'll be better, right? They're forgetful people. We are forgetful people. In the 20th century, the Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, once said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. Paul says that too. What do you set your mind on, your flesh or the spirit? What are you doing in your solitude? What are you thinking of? What are you preoccupied with? Have you already made your grocery list in the sermon this morning? I love y'all. I'm so glad you're laughing through this. 
That could have been tense. But whoever wins this election is neither our Savior nor Satan. So, in fact, Jesus isn't even on the ballot. He's not on the ballot. The last time Jesus was on the ballot, we voted for Barabbas. And yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving that God does actually love us, even when we didn't vote for Jesus. Idolatry is hard. It sneaks in on us. And so we begin thinking, well, maybe my idol is my political party or the candidate, but maybe it's even something deeper than that. Maybe the idea of America has become such an idol for us, we've lost sight of who Jesus is. Because there's been governments all around the world that have come and gone since Jesus. And the fact is still the same. Jesus is king. He's not dethroned. He hasn't left. And when he does leave, guess what? He's coming back here to establish a whole new kingdom, a new earth, a new heaven, a new Jerusalem. And Paul says that this living by the flesh thing, when we fall into these traps, not only is it death, but he goes on and, and tells us that um, it makes us hostile towards God. We don't submit to his laws. We can't. And we, we can't even please God when we're thinking of things of the flesh and living according to them. See, what the scripture does is it makes it abundantly clear there is no middle path. There are only two types of people. We can't have Jesus as our savior and be obedient to the world too. But there's another way. The second way, the second type of people. The people who live in hope, the people who live in joy. Those who live according to the spirit. The spirit given to us when we were given faith, when we were born again. And those that live according to the Spirit have set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Now again, Paul does this thing where he doesn't tell us what the things of the Spirit are. Right? It'd be so much easier if Paul would just give us an exhaustive list right here in this moment so we can go check, no, oh, uh oh, work on that one, circle it for later. But he doesn't give us that. And so again, we go to Galatians 5, right? Where he gives us the works of the flesh. He also gives us the very fruits of the Spirit. He says, this is what it looks like when you're living in the Spirit. This is what it looks like when your mind is set on the things of this Spirit. These fruits, they bloom. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. Instead of death, when we live according to the Spirit, you know what it says? Life and peace. Who wants some life and peace in their life right now? Amen? We could all use a little more peace, a little more life. And that's where it's located. It's sourced in Jesus. Our hope is found in nothing less than Jesus Christ, our righteousness. We don't sing, fix your eyes upon your sports team. We say, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Be moved by Jesus. Be hopeful in the midst of a global pandemic because of Jesus, because your righteousness has already been declared, not condemned. Because your status has been declared adopted, sons and daughters of the God Most High. We have hope because we know God. We don't just know of God. We know God. We have Christ in us. We have the Spirit. We are in Christ. And so we have hope because we know this world isn't the finished product, right? That we are promised Jesus coming back. We are promised a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. That we are promised resurrection bodies because we are co-heirs with Christ. And what God has done according to Ephesians 4 is given us the spirit as, a, as the down payment ensuring that he will come and fulfill this promise. He gave us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that he will fulfill this. So we get to live with hope. Yeah, things are going to be hard, right? He says we get life and peace. He doesn't say we get health and wealth. We get life and peace. Suffering is going to come. Paul writes this letter in the midst of prison and in the midst of his suffering. But boy, how do we not lose our hope? When we're focused on Jesus, we don't lose our joy. But if we scroll through social media for a minute, Turn on the news. It's real easy to fall into despair, isn't it? When you begin setting our minds on the things of this world. When we set our minds on the things of Christ and the Spirit, He transforms us from the inside out. So you see? Only two types of people in the world. No middle ground. No halfway position. So which is true of you today? If you're dead, spiritually dead, the only way to come to life is through faith in Jesus Christ and his precious blood. And I implore you, repent of your sins Believe and be baptized. And for those that thought there was a middle ground and maybe you were able to sit on the fence or maybe be a little lukewarm, which direction were you really leaning towards? 
for my prayer is for each of you this week. That your lives are filled with so much Jesus, it interrupts your daily habits, your routines, your lives, your preoccupations, that there's so much Jesus that he interrupts every decision you thought you were going to make this week. That your lives are filled with so much Jesus, it's impossible to not keep your eyes on him. Turn to Christ, for there is a life and life abundant. Exalt Christ always and above all else. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.